Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. In this episode, we talk about how important it is to teach on the level of your audience. The easiest way to make people tune out from your teaching is to teach over their heads. In this episode, we talk about the real goal of teaching, ways in which we subtly assume our audience knows things when they might actually not, and ways that we can go about actually teaching them in ways that'll help them understand. Let's dive in. Whenever we think about what it means to teach the Bible well, it always has to start with what exactly are we defining as the goal of Bible teaching. For way too many people, Bible teaching is really just an art of self-expression. It's a way of being able to share what they find true in their own walk, what they define as true for themselves. It's a way of kind of sharing themselves with a group of people. And I say this because I know that this is something that I've fallen into. This isn't something that I'm just pointing at other people. Uh, I've used teaching before as a way of kind of sharing the things that I'm personally growing in or the things the Lord is really challenging me as an individual on and not necessarily for its true purpose. Um, for some people, they think that the goal of Bible teaching is staying faithful to the text, which, yes, in large part. Um, I'm not about to say that the goal is to be unfaithful to the text, So, but there's a little bit more to that. Um, in trying to be faithful to the text, Sometimes what we do is we justify bad methods. Um, we will teach way longer, perhaps, than our people are ready for because we want our service to really be about Scripture. And, and in doing so, we're faithful to the form of Bible teaching without necessarily always being faithful to our people. Or we'll teach things in outdated older language, especially than, than students like in a youth group might be ready for. And we do all of this in the name of trying to be faithful to the text. You definitely don't want to teach beyond the text. You don't want to teach something that isn't in a text. The text is your guide in, in so many different ways. But your real goal isn't just to say a bunch of true things from the Bible. Your real goal is is helping people grow in their understanding with the Lord, helping them grow in their faithfulness to Him, their committedness to Him, uh, grow in all sorts of different ways like that. That is the real goal of teaching. And so because that's the goal, that means that anything that goes into a teaching needs to be helping people in that. It needs to be moving people towards growth, moving people towards comfort in their knowledge with the Lord, uh, moving people towards certainty and clarity uh, surrounding different issues and topics when it comes to following Jesus. And uh, the reason this one is titled Don't Assume What Your Audience Knows is because if we assume our audience is in a different spot than they really are, we will teach them things they don't need to hear. Or at the very least, we will teach them things in ways that are not as helpful as they can possibly be. And, and one of the trends uh, that we just kind of need to wrap our minds around in general is that uh, for as much study and uh, learning and reading as we may try to do as the teacher, the general education level of our churches when it comes to biblical things 
is probably lower than it was 50 years ago. It, it's definitely lower than it was further back. I, I still see people kind of idolizing, you know, the 1800s and the Charles Spurgeon days as oh, when people really knew their Bible. And it's like, yeah, that might be true, but it's not what we have today. So trying to teach to that time period just isn't helpful for the people that you have in front of you. And you're doing it with the best intentions, but you're assuming they know a lot of things that they may not really know. So here are three different ways that we end up assuming things about our audience, assuming that they know these different things and they're with us on these things. The first is what we were just mentioning, assuming that people in your audience are as biblically literate as you, that they understand the cross-references, they understand the images, they understand the different verses that you're bringing up. Culture in general is less and less versed in scripture than than we used to be, even in churches. The, the statistics surrounding uh, personal Bible reading in churches today are, are just really, really low. I remember listening to uh, a really great podcast with uh, John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers called This Cultural Moment, and I believe it was back in the first season uh, of that particular show, but they were talking about this may be the first generation of church that, that they can remember seeing where the assumption with most people is just that they're not reading their Bible at home. That, that as much as there's been a push for trying to develop that habit of personal Bible reading, and as much as that habit is still extremely important and very much worth trying to impress onto our people, the, the reality is just that it's not happening the way that it used to. And because it's not happening the way that it used to, and because so many, particularly younger people, are coming to church without the kind of backdrop of having grown up in church, without the backdrop of those kind of biblical stories at least being presented to you as stories so that you had the information, uh, at least in part, about what those stories meant uh, and were. And so one thing that Bible teachers end up doing is we throw out these different biblical concepts or these allusions or these little illustrations from other passages, and we assume that the audience gets what we're trying to say when we mention the parting of the Red Sea in a quick moment. You know, when you just kind of mention the Passover. Well, one, there's so much that goes into um, into the original Passover. So what part of it specifically are you trying to bring up? Um, that's also something that you need to think about. It's just sometimes it's not that your audience just didn't know what you meant. It's that they didn't know what part of it you meant to bring up. Um, but if you just kind of casually throw out, yeah, like happened in Passover, here we also see blah, blah, blah. So many people in your audience just may not know what you're trying to bring up from that story. So you got to be very careful with the way you go about these biblical illustrations or allusions or cross-references. It's definitely not that you stop doing those things because you want to say things that are in line with helping your audience. It's that you add to those different things that you're using uh, in, in ways that we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. So you can assume that they just know more about the Bible. Uh, a second way that we can assume things about our audience is we can assume they're as committed to Christ as we are. Uh, every teaching, I think for the most part, maybe there's some perfect church out there where they have a 100% Christian rate. Um, there's probably a fair number of them now that I think about it. But for the most part, teachings 
even when they're given in churches, are given to mixed crowds. You know, it's very rare, I think, uh, especially thinking about my time as a youth pastor. You know, I was teaching a group of about 50-something students, and the vast majority were coming from good backgrounds and good situations, but I wouldn't necessarily look at them and say, guaranteed, 100% all of these kids are believers, that all of these kids just know 100% that they are committed to the things of God. Uh, So if I came into it just kind of assuming we're all Christians, this is cool, so now let's just jump into Christian stuff, I could wind up completely missing them, not because they didn't understand, but because they didn't want to understand. And so often the issue with with even believers, it's not that people don't know what they should do, it's that they don't want to do what they should do. Think about how often we see in Old Testament prophecy, God reaching out to his people saying, you know what you should be doing, you're just not doing it. Think about even how often in our own lives, the problem isn't lack of knowledge, it's lack of application. And when it comes to preaching to people, we need to remember that it may not be that they don't know the right stuff, it's just that they're not necessarily committed to Christ yet. And if you think that that wouldn't matter in your teaching, then then think about the way that you would prepare a teaching for an outreach where you'd be speaking exclusively to non-believers versus the way that you prepare for your church. Those two are probably pretty different things, and rightfully so. So it's not that we try to merge the two into one, but rather we take a little bit of the outreach and we start bringing it to the regular Sunday morning. If we're only looking to grow believers, we'll miss out on winning non-believers because they may be showing up to your Sunday service just the same as everybody else. So we don't want to assume that people are as biblically literate as we might be in, in the different study we've done. We don't want to assume they're as committed to Christ as we might be in that particular moment. Uh, and then also thinking a third thing, you don't want to assume that they're as committed to that particular sermon as you are. If you're coming there teaching them, you've probably put hours of preparation, hours of study, hours of thinking into getting that sermon exactly where you want it to be. You are already pretty invested in it. They just showed up. They just showed up that day. And they may show up really wanting to listen to you, but if they're not convinced by what you're presenting them, it may just be really easy for them to tune out. You know, they know that there are good things coming from a teaching, but they don't know necessarily the good things coming in your particular message. So you want to share those with the people right from the beginning. You know, without, uh, you know, with, without really knowing where you're headed, it's going to be really, really easy for them to kind of just feel like this is lost, this isn't going anywhere. Uh, and so you know that your message is building to some kind of wonderful conclusion. You know that it's building towards something really fun and worthwhile. If they don't know that, they may just kind of zone out along the way and then miss out on that really, really cool thing that perhaps the Lord wanted to say at the end of your message. So we make all of these assumptions in our preaching, and all of them are dangerous. So how do we help keep our audience with us? Well, the first one I think is pretty simple. Whenever you give a biblical example, make sure you're giving the full context for it. If you're trying to reference 
Jesus feeding the 5,000, that miracle that happens in the Gospels and is recorded in a few different places. If you just say, you know, kind of like with our loaves and fishes, God does these incredible things, you may completely miss people by just throwing the name of the miracle that happens without at least giving the story. Because you can explain that story in 15 seconds, maybe 30. You know, you don't need to go into all the detail, but you can at least give people the highlights of it. And when you give people the highlights of the things you're trying to pull into your message, those examples and illustrations, you keep the people who genuinely didn't know with you because now they understand what you're trying to say. And perhaps you keep a lot of people, they come to church feeling like they should know more than they do. And so you help keep people from embarrassment by bringing them along by saying, yeah, you know, just like this miracle with the loaves and the fishes. If you don't know what that is, here's 15 seconds kind of explaining this miracle quickly. Instead of feeling like an outsider because they didn't understand the illustration you were using, they now feel like they stay on the inside with you. And so give full context, give full explanation, even if it's quick, to every biblical illustration that you use. It helps make people feel like you want them with you rather than if they don't know what you're talking about, they should stay on the outside. You want to be careful with that. Second thing to help keep your audience with you, a similar concept. Every large word or drunk, uh, drunk drawer, that's not a phrase, Every large word or junk drawer term that you use, make sure you explain those. So grace is a wonderful, beautiful biblical concept. It's the heartbeat of all of scripture. It's super, super important. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. I mean, even run this experiment. If you happen to be a youth pastor, a youth worker, run this experiment. Grab your group together. Ask them to define the gospel. Watch how hard that's going to be for them. Finding words to put to it that people feel comfortable with can be difficult. They, they get the general idea, but they don't necessarily have the specifics to it. So things like grace, things like sin, things like forgiveness, um, bigger terms that you may end up using throughout the course of your message. Sometimes people even get thrown by names. So if you can give people nicknames that, that make them a little bit catchier at times, all these different things keep people with you and keep people feeling like you want them on the inside. For the new person, it gives them comfort. It reminds them that they're welcome in your teaching. For the seasoned believer, it might bring them clarity. There are a lot of things that we assume other older believers know about the Bible or about walking with God. And they just may not know those things. And so it's important to keep them uh, walking in clarity rather than walking in that kind of confusion. Last thing I'll say is also make sure you are working to convince people to faithfulness. Thinking about assuming these people want to walk with God perfectly. In many cases, what you really need to do is just flat out preach the gospel. It, it Again, it comes down to that idea. It's not just... Do these people know the right things to live a life of faithfulness to Jesus? It's are they convinced that living a life of faithfulness to Jesus is worth it? And when you keep bringing people back to the gospel, 
you remind them of the greatest motivation they can possibly have for walking with Jesus. You remind them that everything comes down to what Jesus has done for us, not we, not what we can do for him. And again, this is needed for believers and for non-believers. Paul spends the majority of the New Testament preaching the gospel to people he had already preached it to. And in our lives, when we try to overcome sin, when we try to walk in deeper faithfulness to God, when we try to step out uh, for some kind of ministry opportunity, the thing we need to hear isn't necessarily the hidden piece of wisdom somewhere in Scripture. The main thing we need to hear again is the gospel because it motivates us and it encourages us and it stirs up our hearts to want to walk with God. Remember, when it comes to teaching the Bible, the real call is sharing the gospel in a way that people will see, will hear, will understand, and will want to follow. Everything else is just the window dressing that helps us get to that real call. Don't neglect the gospel for the sake of complicated teachings, because the goal isn't people growing in knowledge, it's people growing with Christ. As you keep bringing people back to the gospel, you keep them rooted in the thing that will stimulate the greatest growth in their life. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to leave a rating or subscribe to the feed. Uh, Even just leaving a quick review goes a long way in helping get the word out about this podcast. This podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. You can find all the different work we're doing at our website, goodlion.io. You can follow Good Lion on Instagram at goodlion.io, and you can stay up to date with all the different podcasts that are on our network. That's the main place you'll get updates about this First Time Bible Teacher podcast, but you can also follow this podcast specifically on Instagram by just searching at First Time Bible Teacher. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.